Hi there, Dickens Olewe here. Thanks for checking in. This interview is part of a 10-part special series about how the media in Africa covers politics, governance, and elections. With my guest, we'll explore the challenges and ideas of how journalism can support, not undermine democracy. So look out for the other interviews on your podcast feed. Let me know what you think about the series. Okay, here's the pod. Enjoy. So what I'm trying to do with this kind of work is to try and illuminate that idea that if something is to work in Zimbabwe, we need to start at a local level. That's why we don't care much about what our central government officials are saying, even in our reporting. You will realize that we care more about what the councillor is saying, what the mayor is saying, what the local MP is saying. My name is Divine Ndube. I'm currently the chief executive officer of uh, the Citizen Bulletin, a hybrid hyperlocal uh, news outlet that uh, covers uh, uh, the greater region of Matebeleland in southwestern Zimbabwe. And uh, you're talking about hyperlocal uh, and community journalism. What does that actually mean? Let me start uh, by uh, briefly uh, bringing in uh, my, my, my background. I, I grew up uh, in a community which was uh, undercovered by the mainstream or so-called uh, national uh, media. Um, so um, I, got, I, only, uh, I, I got access, of course, to, 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 to newspapers through, through my uncle who worked uh, 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 in, in a bigger town. Bulawayo, where I stay now. But uh, I realized that uh, there isn't anything about uh, my community uh, in Matavaland South. Uh, the only time there will be something about my community is when there is something bad. So generally, that is how uh, the mainstream or national media uh, was or has been covering uh, my community. So when it comes to hyperlocal media, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, media that covers a particular uh, community. Uh, uh, I would say uh, that is grassroots uh, media. And uh, when it comes to Zimbabwe, since 1980, there hasn't been any uh, hyper-local or community media, so to speak, because the government has uh, been making sure that the only media that exists or the only media that thrives is the media that is controlled by government. And in this case, it is mainstream public media, national media, so to speak. So when we talk about hyperlocal media, we're talking about any kind of media which covers a niche community or which covers a local community as opposed perhaps to, to national government or national issues. You know, could you just tell me a little bit about how how you work? You know, do you... Uh, you know, do you do you ha- run a newsroom that source, sources locally, uh, publishes on the citizen journalism, and then also syndicates content to national media, or how el- how does it work? And, uh, I launched uh, the outlet in 20, 2016. So initially, when I launched the Citizen Bulletin, I had been inspired by uh, the CNN I report, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which really was I'm not sure whether it exists or not, but to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of citizen journalism, exactly. people contributing. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so the idea was to allow uh, citizen, uh, citizens uh, across the region of Matabeleland to directly contribute content through the platform. 
So I think uh, uh, we did that for about a year and it didn't work well. And by then WhatsApp was not as popular as it is now, but I think it did mean that WhatsApp was working well and more popular. I think it was gonna work. So around 2017, I changed that. And uh, at that time, I think we trained more than 100 citizen journalists. And so some of the challenges that we encountered, uh, those citizen journalists wanted us to provide uh, uh, internet data continuously so that they're able to, 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 to share content with us. Secondly, they wanted us to pay them to do that, to, 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 to provide us with content, something that we're not able to do. The idea really, we thought maybe citizens will volunteer content on their own, because for me, that is the basis of citizen journalism. They will volunteer content about issues that affect them. So, but later on, it wasn't the case. We realized that citizen journalism itself cannot work uh, on its own. So we then changed and then became what I would call uh, a public powered uh, news outlet. So instead of actually getting uh, content directly from citizens as citizen journalists, we'll then co-report with them. And that is a concept mm -hmm. of called public power journalism. Where does this content end up? Where is it published? Oh, okay. We'll then uh, publish uh, that content uh, on our website. But then with the bigger challenge again, we realized that the niche community that we were targeting did not have enough resources, and in this case, in terms of internet data, to access our website. So that was a bigger challenge now. But uh, um, fortunately, WhatsApp was beginning to be popular across Zimbabwe. So we'll then first publish our content on our website and then uh, format that same uh, uh, content, the web stories, for WhatsApp share. Mm -hmm. So as it is now, uh, WhatsApp is our uh, biggest uh, distribution uh, platform. So we still publish our content on the website, but we have realized that really people want content uh, on WhatsApp as opposed to accessing it via the website. So we actually keep the website as an archive because we know that most people actually prefer that we share content directly with them via WhatsApp groups, via WhatsApp broadcasts. Could you just take me through the, the user experience? Uh, so I am a WhatsApp su subscriber to your content. So what am I actually getting? Oh, okay. So uh, last year, um, uh, when the pandemic uh, broke out, we realized uh, a need, a bigger need. The bigger need that we realized is that um, our audience members wanted all our stories in one place, as opposed to us sending individual stories throughout the day. So we launched uh, a digital newspaper, it's a PDF uh, 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 newspaper. So this is how we now share uh, really our content. Of course, we still share them as individual stories, but really our biggest product now that we are so much proud of, which we launched last year, is the bulletin, which has become one mm -hmm. of the most uh, uh, popular uh, news products across uh, the region. So what this is what happens. <clears throat> we, we realize that a number of news outlets run WhatsApp groups. And uh, by the way, Zimbabwe is a very much politically polarized uh, uh, society. So in these WhatsApp groups, you will set up a WhatsApp group uh, for news sharing. And then that group uh, actually ends up serving mm -hmm. a different purpose. Uh, political activists will hijack that platform 
there will be discussions, people will end up insulting each other and people leave the group. So we decided not to follow that, uh, that trend of running thousands and thousands of WhatsApp groups, which are really, we do not have the, uh, the, the bandwidth really to manage a number of uh, WhatsApp groups. So what we did, we decided to use um, what we call WhatsApp broadcasting, where uh, our, um, our readers subscribe to receive our content directly into their inboxes, rather than us sending via um, WhatsApp groups. So uh, as it is, I think our, because mm -hmm. we started this uh, in January uh, this year, uh, thanks to the uh, membership past the project, uh, where we were uh, part of uh, the 16 newsrooms selected globally to be part of uh, that community. So we began building uh, what we call um, a membership for a news organization. So now uh, our readers subscribe and become part of our community, or part of our, of our family. So when they subscribe, mm -hmm. they get more than just our content. They also get stewardship messages. And by stewardship messages, I'm talking about uh, messages about who exactly we are. They get to know our reporters. They get to know how actually our editorial processes. They get to know how we fundraise. They get to know such stuff. So they become more than readers. They become part of our family. They become members. Why do you feel that that is important? You know, being transparent and open about your editorial process. I think this is very much important because trust on news has been dwindling over the years because of uh, disinformation, misinformation, fake news, you call it. There's been, I think in the past um, decade or so, there's been a proliferation of uh, uh, clickbait uh, news sites, which basically churn out any pieces of information and most of it exaggerated propaganda or totally untrue. And because of that, and because we're a digital news outlet, and, and mind you, uh, most readers actually do not entirely trust uh, digital native pro uh, 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 outlets like us. So it's very much important for us because we do not view ourselves as a website. We view ourselves as a complete news mm -hmm. organization. So it is important for us to be very much transparent because we want support from these people. Support not only in terms of participation, for example, like resharing our content, but we also want support in terms of financial contribution. So really, uh, if we are to become uh, a member-driven news organization that raises revenue from our readers, Certainly, we have to be transparent because they need to know uh, how a news outlet they are supporting, financial or otherwise, is operating. So it's very much important to be open. And particularly if you are a hyper-local news organization, you need to be transparent because get your support from the grassroots community. What have you changed in, in terms of narrative and perception, especially when it comes to the, uh, to the national press? Oh, yeah, uh, that's, that, that's, that's an exciting uh, question. So um, initially, we were uh, what I would call a 24-hour news outlet. That was before I actually went to, to, to Stanford University as a John S. Knight uh, uh, journalism fellow. So after my fellowship, I changed our model. 
So what we wanted to do now, we wanted to be unique, we wanted to be different. Different in the sense that a number of our newsrooms that exist, be they um, hyper-local, be they national in outlook, they're so much preoccupied with breaking news. They're so much preoccupied with, um, with daily news reporting. We wanted to change that. We wanted to produce hard-hitting, hyper-local uh, uh, reporting and analysis that cuts through the noise. And I think this is exactly what we are doing because what we want our journalism to do is to contribute to the public conversation, which I think is the essence of journalism. So the kind of uh, content that we produce, and, and this is not just banter, this is not a marketing gimmick, uh, there isn't any other newsroom in Zimbabwe that produces uh, 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 the same content that we produce. Um, we, 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 we cover local communities, but we do that with depth and rigor because we know that if we are to contribute to, to, to governance processes, if we are to help our, our readers with information that is going to help them make informed decisions about their lives, we really need to produce high quality content. And this is exactly what we are doing. So our, um, our digital news, uh, newspaper, The Bulletin, we publish it uh, bi-weekly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, um, well, there isn't another publication really which does that. And I think uh, our content, you know, is so rich, is so evergreen that within those two weeks, really, our communities will have really uh, been able to explore it and uh, map out actions uh, informed action which they can take or informed conversation because sometimes uh, uh, it's not always about action sometimes it's about informed conversation so i think within two weeks of course we've been contemplating changing that maybe um publishing uh, weekly like the continent i'm sure you know the continent one of uh, yeah they, they they do inspire us a lot yeah we learn a lot from them but i think we're fine and uh I think in the past uh, year or so, we've uh, grown um, so well, thanks to the coronavirus, really, because, you know, we have been saying uh, the coronavirus uh, uh, has been a threat to journalism. So, of course, some news outlets are closed. But I think, to be honest, I think we grew much bigger during the pandemic as opposed to pre-pandemic times. So before the pandemic, I think we had about uh, five reporters. But uh, as we speak, we have about 10 to 15 reporters, including, of course, uh, freelance contributors. And our team, I think, before the, the pandemic, we had about five full-time staff members. But now I think we have around 10 to 11 uh, uh, full-time staff members. So this is uh, the growth that uh, I'm really proud of. And to be honest, I think we're a totally uh, unique news outlet for example, uh, if you check now in Zimbabwe, I think we are the only publication that has two exciting roles. We have a role called um, Product and uh, Partnerships Officer. We have mm -hmm. a role called Audience Growth and Development Manager. Roles mm -hmm. which I think are very much important especially uh, 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 in the new journalism ecosystem. And I know you have a membership-driven model, but is that covering all the bills and all the salaries? Not necessarily. Uh, at the moment, uh, 
uh, most of our of our funding uh, is from grants. Is from mm-hmm. grants. Yeah, this is this is uh, 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 where most of our salaries and uh, other um, overhead costs come from. So uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to membership, I think uh, what we've learned so far with membership, it cannot go alone. Even in well-established media markets like in the US, the UK, you'll realize that newsrooms that uh, have a thriving memberships model are not necessarily using those in solo. You also, for example, need mm-hmm. a native advertising. If actually, if you have a good membership, uh, uh, if you have good membership in terms of followership, you have the advantage of really getting more adverts. And this is the model that we are trying to build. We are trying to say, okay, fair and fine, we are building a member-driven uh, uh, a revenue model, but it cannot go alone because once we have more members, we'll be able to convince advertisers to say, look, we have the numbers because I don't think we'll be able to sustain our operations with membership alone, especially here in Zimbabwe, where mm-hmm. the, the, the economy really is mm. doing well. What's driving you? What's kind of the, the reason why you are doing this kind of journalism? Uh, you know, beyond the fact that, yes, you're trying to to help, um, uh, you know, kind of redress, uh, you know, the, this problem that you have identified of, of a news desk at where you live. So what's, what's driving you? Uh, to put it bluntly, I would say I'm tired of national politics and I'm not alone. Local populations are also tired of national politics because it seems nothing is working at the top. So more and more people are beginning to appreciate uh, local democracy. So what I'm trying to do with this kind of work is to try and illuminate that idea that if something is to work in Zimbabwe, we need to start at a local level. That's why we don't care much about what our central government officials are saying, even in our reporting, you will realize that we care more about what the councillor is saying, what the mayor is saying, what the local MP is saying, more than what the minister is saying. So really, I think I'm driven by the desire to illuminate local democracy, which I think has been failing since Zimbabwe gained mm-hmm. independence in 1980. So that is my motivation in short. Uh, all politics is, is local. So basically all journalism should probably also default to that as well. This interview is part of a 10-part special series about how the media in Africa covers politics, governance, elections, and the impact this has on democracy on the continent. If you want to subscribe to my podcast, just search for the Dickens Olewe podcast on any of the main podcast apps. Let me know what you think about the series. Reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Olewe. Until next time, Bye-bye.